at the Gillard Awards. Uh, yes, that's me, and we are at BBC Local Radio's Frank Gillard Awards. Is it the Oscars of the BBC Local Radio Network, Chris? It's all we've got, so I'd say it probably is. <laughs> it's all we've got. Uh, this is Chris Wood from BBC Radio Oxford, and just describe where we are, Chris. Uh, we're overlooking the Tyne, it's very, very brown, and Gateshead looking at Newcastle over there, uh, which is, some people say, the better side. I can see Metro Radio from here as well, so there you go. I'm also here with Richard Latto from BBC Radio Solent. Hi, Richard. Hello there, Steve, you're right. Tell me about the challenges for getting uh, your station prominent and known in a really competitive market like that on the South Coast. Well, you're right, it is so, so competitive on the South Coast because there are just so many commercial brands, but BBC Radio Solent, having been there for donkey's years, uh, we recently celebrated a quite significant anniversary. You you also have to be very mindful of the baggage that that brings as well, so you're constantly thinking, how can I sell this trail to the complete range of people in the demographic? People coming in, uh, listening to you afresh, maybe coming from Radio 2 or commercial station, wherever, and you think, well, hang on a minute, their parents probably listen to it, maybe there's going to be a bit of resistance to them taking up to our brand, so how do we go about that? And it is incredibly difficult, but the way we do it, and the way I always try and think of it, is to be reliable, but not predictable, and we have to sell the breadth of the output and the depth as well. And I think this, I'm so chuffed that we've got a nomination for this particular campaign because this is the type of thing that no one in our marketplace could do justice with. I mean, come on, Titanic, 549 people from Southampton perished in the North Atlantic on that horrible night back in April of 1912. If any radio station should do this well, it should be BBC Radio Solent. Well, Richard, we're going to hear your audio from that campaign in just a couple of minutes' time. Um, But let's talk also to uh, Chris Wood, BBC Radio Oxford smaller station than Solent? Uh, it's much smaller as far as I know yeah we've um, our, you know, Oxford is a, just a small place I know it's a, a city but it's a bit more like a like an extended town with a, a lot of rural uh, outlines so it's, it's a strange place in that we've got uh, we've got like a in, big industrial place in Cowley we've got huge amounts of um uh, agricultural little villages we've got the university it's, it's 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 everything in a very small compact area which makes it very difficult to appeal to kind of everybody at the same time so what are the challenges in a market like that for you as a promotions producer on the station people look at r- local radio and they think a certain type of mindset and it's really difficult to break through that and i guess you think people have got preconceptions about yeah, your station yeah and, and what, what are those preconceptions um well I, I suppose people i don't know if it's just us or it's all local radio but they look at it as a bit kind of like not for them like for older people and i know that we are for an older demographic but that doesn't mean that we can't appeal to everyone and, and you know i think a lot of our presenters do break through what I, again what i try and do is just reflect the positive nature and the big feeling and um try and make it sound aspirational really that's exactly it. You want to avoid that nonkiness that people have as an awful misconception of local radio and, I'm afraid to say, often of BBC local radio. And you want to steer away, away from that. You want it to be as classy as possible, but also touch them, whether that is, you know, moving them emotionally with a bit of humour or, in this case, with, with people stories. Great radio production and the people who make it. The Earshot Creative Review, sponsored by Hobson's. Also in this podcast, we're going to be catching up with the contestants in the Hobson's Voice Search competition. Have you been following that, Richard? 
Uh, yeah, I've caught a few of your podcasts, and uh, yeah, I can't wait to see the next installment, actually, hear it. This time, they're moving to the glitzy studios of Global Radio in the heart of London's uh, Theatreland in Leicester Square. It's going to be a commercial read, which includes the disclaimer at the end that you have to kind of read without uh, drawing attention to it. It's a real challenge. Have you, you don't have to do those on local radio, oh, no. do you? Well, I, no, but uh, I, used to, um, I used to be a commercial writer and producer uh, before I worked for the BBC, and I have done those for car adverts where you have to... There's no question about it. Legally, you have to add them on, mm. and it feels ridiculous, and it sounds a bit ridiculous, but there's no way around it. So I was in the States recently, and uh, the current, one of the current trends on these in the States is to submerge the T's and C's in a music bed. It's there, but it's virtually inaudible. Do you know what I really like at the moment? I shouldn't say this because they're one of our competitors but the way that Jack FM does it because they do it so blatantly and they do it so sarcastically that actually you're kind of in on that bit of a funny gag and you don't mind it so much because you think oh yeah they're they're human as well rather than this kind of stark quickly read message just being read like parrot fashion at me well hear how uh, Jay and uh, Sifa and Scott and Mark get on in the Global Radio Studios a little bit later in this podcast great radio production and the people who make it tosses the Earshot Creative Review sponsored by Hobson's Richard Talk to us about this campaign from BBC Radio Solent that has been nominated in tonight's Gillard Awards. Right, well, this really was um, a juggernaut of a campaign for BBC Radio Solent. The Titanic, as I said earlier, so many people in Southampton perished. So many people throughout our patch still have personal stories, direct family connections, and we knew we had to go really, really big with this, but also incredibly sensitive as well. Our audience expects a lot from us, but one of the key things that they expect is the sensitivity when handling their stories, whether that's a reporter going out in the field or me as a station sound producer at Radio Solent and trying to deal with it sensitively within the confines of a trail campaign. So what I did, and I think this is one of the benefits of working at BBC Local Radio compared to, say, commercial and certainly compared to network, is that you may be perhaps part of the projects already. So you've got an insider's perspective of the best potential material as far as clips go, as far as voices go, and certainly as far as the tone goes from day one. As soon as the documentaries in our case started being scribed and forged and recorded, I knew exactly the tone to go for. And having sat opposite, some of the people that very kindly contacted us came into our studios and told their, in many cases, never told before Titanic stories and burst into tears in front of me. I mean, come on, I knew I had to do this justice because there was no way that we could misrepresent these people. We had to to portray their stories with the brevity, the cruel brevity that is always required uh, whenever making any one single promo, but also with justice. And that's really what I've tried to encapsulate, is is their stories with that sensitivity, but also that emotional power. I mean, the, the guy whose great uncle was a butcher and took the lift out of the Titanic and got trapped in the lift because the ship was listing so badly and he drowned, as, as I believe the chap put it, like a, a rat underwater trapped in this lift. Uh, the, the lady who sent back the stewards to her room and they never returned with her belongings and she felt so guilty from that day onto her deathbed and passed that story down her family. These people coming in and telling their stories for the first time ever and, and representing them well and also using archive footage 
in a clever and brief way because there's so much archive for the Titanic and after we we made the actual campaign one of the other key priorities was to speak to the rest of the, the, the presenters on the output because you know BBC Local Radio what you've got a mid-morning programme someone playing ABBA about to introduce Shawaddy Waddy they've got an interview with uh, the Fonz coming up later and then all of a sudden they've got to get into this incredibly sensitive Titanic trail where someone talks about their grandfather having murdered someone on board a sinking ship and you've got to sit down with that presenter and say hey look this is what we're doing have a listen to these trails please could you use your skills you know massage their ego slightly you can get into this really well this will make you sound so good if you introduce this in this way perhaps you've got a better idea let's talk it through and it's getting that buy-in the worst thing in the world would be to slave over some beautifully sensitive trails and then to hear someone go bam straight off the back of a shania twain record into this trail and then blatantly ignore it and then start plugging a jam festival or something off the back and i'm, I'm delighted to say that um the presenters did us really proud as well and they, they really handled the campaign when we handed it over to them when it was broadcast i wondered which network was still playing shania twain and now i've discovered <laughs> it's bbc local radio um but this is a really interesting point because everything you've said would apply to a documentary maker mm. so what's the promotional aspect of this campaign what makes it a promotional piece and not just a, an audio feature i think what makes it a promotional piece is something that it sounds slightly cliche, but something I always do whenever I make a trail or a promotion is I think of, um, I think it was Debbie Harry once said on the inside of one of those vinyl Blondie albums, she said one of the best songs and the best ways to write songs and come up with songs and perform them is to find a rhythm or a beat that people recognise, make a connection with, and then you take them elsewhere with the lyrics. So what I always look for in any trails campaign is that connection with the audience, so they've immediately got that bond, and then to take take them somewhere different whether that's emotionally usually is with a surprise with humor or in this case with sadness and so we gave them the recognizable piece of music uh, which was apparently anecdotally playing when the ship went down that was nearer my god to thee apparently the musicians were playing that as it was sinking uh, we used that which is synonymous with the titanic we stayed well clear of the james cameron stuff i'm, I'm glad to say and uh, then we brought in a recognisable voiceover. We used Wendy Lloyd and John Mundy. We used Wendy in this case for these trails that they used across all of our output as the voices of BBC Radio Solent. And we briefed Wendy and she did some brilliant takes uh, with us and she then introduces the contributor. So then the contributor simply speaks, tells their story, we plug tastefully what we're doing and that's it. We didn't want to, to for want of a better phrase, overkill it. We didn't want to, to make it sound tacky or nonky or as if we were taking advantage of it. I don't know about you, but I've been working on that Titanic project for about six months. When it was Titanic week, I couldn't get away from it. The ITV programmes, all the programmes on satellite, and I actually thought a lot of them were incredibly distasteful. And... I didn't know much about the Titanic, I'm afraid to say, until I sat down working on this project. But one thing that I took away from it that really helped me with the Trails campaign was just how the passage of time has eroded the seriousness of the event and actually glamorised it unnecessarily. And I knew we don't want to do that. And that would be felt more acutely in your part of England than anywhere else, given that that's where the ship was staffed from and from where it sailed. 
Exactly, and we had Sir Robin Knox Johnson, who presents a regular sailing programme for us, and a regular, uh, very popular sailing podcast for us. He presented the, the main documentary, which is the centrepiece, the jewel in the crown for us at BBC Radio Sailing. And uh, he started work on a, a commercial liner. That was his first ever job before he became the first person to, to sail single-handedly around the globe. And he had met some of the last known survivors before they, before they passed on. And so he brought a great deal of gravitas and compassion to it and he was he was very well read with the Titanic story in the background so he knew exactly what we were after and uh, I think he was proud like I was to be a part of it Well I called on a chap when I was working who told a story that the butchers were trapped like rats in a trap in a lift that was the, the thing that shocked me most of all A season of programmes about a ship the world will never forget I think I first heard about the story while I was at school when I actually did paint a picture of a ship hitting an iceberg. And I remember my mother saying, don't show that to your father. Titanic 100, coming soon on BBC Radio Solent. This Sunday afternoon, Sir Robin Knox Johnston presents Southampton's Titanic Journey. 1,645 people boarded here, full of hopes and aspirations. A chance to hear how one ship touched the lives of so many people across the city and around the world. 542 Southampton people would perish in the freezing North Atlantic. Titanic 100 on BBC Radio Solent. Without the Titanic, my father would not have been raised on the fund. I wouldn't be talking to you right now. My grandmother wouldn't have remarried. A fabulous family wouldn't have existed. A season of programmes about a ship the world will never forget. Without the Titanic, none of us would have existed. Titanic 100, coming soon on BBC Radio Solent. One of the things that strikes me about listening to that audio is how simple the production technique is. There's no bells and whistles. Exactly. And to be honest, I'm not at all ashamed of that. I think that was the the right path to take, 100%. Um, As I said to you earlier, I think it was unnecessary for so many people to glamorise the story of the Titanic and sitting opposite those people in tears, turning their very personal stories, bringing in their very personal documents uh, you, you can't glamorise it, you can't put bells and whistles on it it's, it, it, it's unbelievable, particularly as I said, in Southampton 549 people from that city perished, there were streets in Southampton where every single house was touched by that disaster there were schools where people in every every single person in one particular year in certain schools were touched by that disaster and you know we're BBC Radio Center and this was a chance for us to show people what we do really well you're not going to get trails like that on your Jack FM your Wave even your Radio 2 or your Radio 4 and it was it was a real privilege 
and I, I just hope that and I'm sure we did the people of Southampton and the surrounding area justice but one, one slight worry and concern that I have in my mind is the last time I was here at the Gillards and nominated for something it was for some D-Day trails am, am I particularly good at handling these sensitive things maybe I need to go back and look at some of the more jovial things I don't want to give myself a complex here best for death yeah yeah I don't want that reputation <laughs> Richard, best of luck in the uh, award ceremony a little bit later on, and thank you for letting us hear your audio. Let's go to landlocked Oxfordshire and talk to uh, Chris Wood. Um, talk to us about the campaign that's been nominated in the Gillards from your station that you've made. I suppose we came at it from several angles, really. But there was there's a before, a during, and an after with uh, the music festival. Because um, it's called Cornbury, yes. Yeah, sorry. It's uh, Cornbury is a is kind of the brand of the festival. It used to be at a place called Cornbury uh, through various reasons. It's now not there, but it's still called Cornbury. So, um, um, but there's a lot of festivals that we cover. It's basically during the summer we do um, a summer of live music. Um, so we take you backstage uh, with interviews with the stars, um, exclusive live sets. It's uh, basically. I mean, Oxfordshire seems to have a lot of festivals going on. Um, so there's, there's Crop Prodi, which is run by um, Fairport Convention. They're, you know, they're pretty huge. They've got a really uh, specialised following. Um, and uh, there's uh, Jamie Oliver's Festival and the Henley Festival and, and things like this. So we basically broadcast live from all of those, bringing you uh, interviews and music and everything like that. So um, specifically with um, Cornbury, uh, we had a, we weren't quite well with the Q uh, Philomore who's the organiser um, so he kind of said to us we can have a prize which was uh, that we can give one of the listeners this sort of backstage tour and they can have um, the best seats in the house for a headline act of their choice kind of thing so basically they sit in the photographer pit down at the front so that was the sort of first thing was to, to trail the fact that we can give this away albeit alongside we're going to be broadcasting live and obviously giving you backstage interviews and t- basically taking you there so if you can't go we'll take you there we'll, we'll, we'll give you the whole thing um, so as I said three parts was those two characters the first bit then there was the live shows we broadcast later uh, at night to catch people kind of post-festival so then we'd be going home especially on the Sunday um, we had a lot of leaflets we, we handed them all out saying relive the magic of Cornbury that became a phrase that we used on air used the phrase on the on the leaflets and we handed out thousands of those um, so that people when they were driving home from the festival thinking what a great time we had oh we could listen to this and then they heard all the highlights in a sort of special hour-long show I listened to it on the way home as well because um, and I thought wow that sounded, that sounded really good um, so and then after that again uh, we all throughout the week i cut up all the songs from the sets top and tail them with some uh, production and then we played them out throughout the week so you you know you, you, it continues on from there as well and before we hear the audio what are the components the physical components that you've put into the production here well what i did was i wanted everything to link together so the music i used is th- well, you'll find that throughout everything. So if you hear the trail, if you hear the talk over beds, uh, even the live talk over beds, it's all the same music um, so that it nicely ties it together. It's um, the voiceover is Gina uh, Malott, and uh, she who provides an excellent voiceover. She just really nails it. We wanted it to sound energetic and fun and upbeat and you know, give this exclusive feel about it. Richard at Radio Solon was saying that he created a distinctive sound for this campaign that stood apart from what yes. he normally does on Radio Solent. Was that the same for you? Well, I, it probably I did go probably slightly further over the top with this production, just because you know I'm, I'm really involved with with sort of producing the whole thing and making it like a cohesive whole kind of thing. And um, I suppose I do like to make my trails sound 
sort of big. I always like to sort of throw in a laugh. I like, I like, you know, people to hear it and kind of, especially if I see people in the in the um, in the office hear what I've done and then they, you know, they laugh along. I'll be like, yeah, I've done done something good there because it gives me an idea that that's that's what's happening in the outside as well. Uh, do you want me to describe how? Yeah. I'd love you to describe how. How? <laughs> okay, I'll describe how. Uh, so I had ideas that I wanted to make. I was thinking um, with my strategy this year, I wanted to take it beyond last year and I wanted to um, involve tri-media kind of thing. So uh, we, all of the presenter reads for the competition that we ran in the first place, uh, I uploaded all of those to Audioboo, which we could link onto our Facebook page uh, and obviously stick on Twitter as well. And um, I think that was a, a really good move, really, because um, it meant that it meant that the people who maybe didn't hear it, because the competition, it was really well structured, and um, but obviously if you don't hear it, then you missed it. So this gave people a chance to, to hear the clues again and then at the end of the week they could join in and uh, compete sort of thing so um, that was nice uh, and then we I got the TV side involved as well so they they came along and did, did some live pieces uh, which was nice because it obviously goes out on uh, BBC One so that gives it, it gave our sort of coverage uh, a nice um, boost as well but a lot of it was quite technical as well um, I wanted to make everything really easy for the presenters so um, everything was in their ENPS running orders everything was loaded into the radio man it was all it's one of these things where you have to come at things from so many angles I worked backstage over the three days turning around all the songs all the interviews top and tailing everything it is relentless absolutely relentless it's 10 hour days three days in a row if not more than that at the end you're doing a respin of uh, all the best bits it's just it is you know I, I'm, I'm so destroyed by the end of it it's, it's, it's tough I mean there's a team of about seven of us about seven of us create something that network radio would send hundreds of people to do and, and you know we do it with, with seven and it is you know no one can be ill that's basically it you're not allowed to be ill during that time because your job is essential well it sounds like uh, you enjoyed it let's um pause there and hear the fruits of your labor this is bbc radio oxford get ready for a red hot summer of live music as we take you from backstage sat on a hay bale with james blunt ray davis it was a good show to the main stage with exclusive star interviews and electric live performances it's like glastonbury the early days don't miss the very best from the cornbury music festival Join us for a spectacular summer of live music starting this Friday evening from 7. The Cornbury Music Festival. Only on Oxfordshire's radio station. BBC Radio Oxford. BBC Radio Oxford's exclusive Cornbury competition. Your backstage pass to Oxfordshire's music festivals. So as part of our summer of live music, every day this week we'll be giving you clues to four star musicians playing at this year's Cornbury Music Festival. Get them all and you could win a pair of VIP tickets, a backstage tour and the best seats in the house for a headline act. From backstage to the main stage. I love the atmosphere. It's really quirky. It's like Glastonbury, the early days are perfect. Relive the magic of the Cornbury Music Festival. Exclusively live on Oxfordshire's radio station. BBC Radio Oxford. BBC Radio Oxford's summer of live music. Macy Gray. I just think she's fantastic. Alison Moye. She's a legend. Hugh Laurie. James Morrison. Jules Holland. Pixie Lock. We the very best from the Cornbury Music Festival. James Morrison is here. You are now a dad. Does that influence the music that you're creating? I want it to be more meaningful, definitely. This 
is Corn Breeze. Mike Scott from the Water Boys just come off stage. And I love 60 minute festival slots. We can get it so concentrated. Just squash all the power into the 60 minutes and then detonate. I love that. BBC Radio Oxford's Summer of Live Music. So I'm in the dressing room of the Saturday headline here at Cornbury, Elvis Costello. We're actually just about to announce another UK tour. So you heard it first. Cornbury! Are you ready for the beautiful Macy Gray? Macy Gray has just come off stage and fabulous. From the eyelashes down to the sequin cape. Thank you, it was fun. Relive the magic of the Cornbury Music Festival. On Oxfordshire's radio station. BBC Radio Oxford. I'm really into um, producing, I suppose. All my effects are applied through multi-tracks. I like everything to be timed perfectly. I like the music to come in. and you know, I'll put music tracks through a sort of duff processor to pull them down and bring them back. So you know, I, I spend a long time, making, <laughs> probably too long, making sessions. But I get really involved in it. When it, when it starts sounding good, I, you, know, you can't really stop. And Chris and Richard, is it still the case that promos producers, trails producers on BBC Local Radio are called broadcast journalists? Yes. My official contract is broadcast journalist, but they could make me, I don't know, clean the toilets or, or, or make the lunches. You know, anything can happen in this environment. <laughs> Does that suggest that your specific skill set of being a promotions producer is not valued? Um, I, I love being a broadcast journalist because I see myself as part of a thriving, big local radio station on the south coast of England. And one week I might be presenting shows, one week I might be producing shows. But my main job is the stations I'm producing. That is the job I love and care passionately about. But being a broadcast journalist means you're not pigeonholed. And it means that if you do do you know, programmes, you sit in the presenter's chair, you sit in the producer's chair, you make a documentary, you, you go out and about do various things representing the station, then when you, as part of the role of a station sound producer, have to talk to maybe, dare I say, an awkward presenter, um, you can actually say, well, this can be done, because when I was sat in your chair last week, um, actually I found it relatively easy. And you can almost start uh, the buy-in process with presenters and programme teams by saying well, look, I know you're going to sigh at this, or I know you're not going to fancy this, so I've done this for you, or I thought I'd make it really easy for you, I thought this would make you sound really good. You know those insecurities, and you can uh, utilise them. <laughs> and Chris, how do you get your work, your imaging and production work, taken seriously at Radio Oxford in that journalistically dominant environment? Yeah, it is very journalistic, obviously. And as you're saying with the, the broadcast journalist thing, I think that is a, it's more of a pay scale thing. Obviously, with journalists, if you are a journalist, that is um, something that you can follow and it makes sense for you. But for, for the people who don't necessarily... I mean, I've got... I'm, I'm not a journalist. I, I, never probably, I probably never will be. So it is a title that means something and at the same time, it kind of isn't. Richard and Chris, it's great talking to you both. We're going to go now into the uh, Gillard ceremony, which will be as sophisticated as you'd expect for BBC Local Radio. Uh, I've worn a suit and everything. <laughs> it's, it's unlikely. Well, I've just noticed that one of my colleagues from Sailor is wearing a beige suit, so he looks like the man from Del Monte, so I can't wait to go and tell him that. And that's as sophisticated as it gets. <laughs> and while we're doing that, let's catch up with the fortunes of our four contestants in the Hobson's Voice Search competition, Kate Cocker has this disturbing, disturbing report. Hello, I'm Kate Cocker and welcome to round two of the Hobson's Voice Search 2012. We're rolling whenever you're ready. Okay. La, 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 la. 
Lovely, thank you. You can hear everything okay? Yes, I can, yeah. Awesome. Good luck. Thank you. Cheers. Over the summer, Hobson's received hundreds of voiceover demos and they whittled them down to four finalists who are now competing in three rounds to win one prize, a 12-month artist representation contract with Hobson's. The four finalists will be judged by this lot. My name is Anne Dawson. I'm the client service manager at Hobson's. I'm Steve Martin. I'm the editor of Earshot Creative, the website and the Earshot Creative Review podcast. Hello, I'm Claire Bowen and I'm head of creative development at the Radio Advertising Bureau. I'm Jo McCrosty and I'm head of creative at Global Radio. And here are your four finalists. Scott Fraser. If the best voiceover company in the country thinks that I'm good enough to work with them, then I can't think of a better definition of success than that. See for Nikki. A brand new experience, a brand new something to add to my thread of radio voiceover life. Mark Humes. I would very much like to win because it would be such a unique opportunity that I, it would be very hard for me to get just starting out of the gates. And Jamoke Ugunkoya. It's a one-life sort of opportunity in a way, you know, being signed up to, you know, an agency that is well-known, you know. I'm lost for words, to be honest, but it's everything to me. Yes, they are all hungry to win the prize, and they will certainly earn it. In each round, they are being forced to experience the challenges that professional voiceover artists deal with every day. In round one, they were with James Stodd at BBC Cross Trails. We're doing a narrative session where we are recording a trail for a BBC Four documentary about Shakespeare. Uh, so quite different from everything else they're going to be doing today. Scott loved it. It was really fun. It was really, really fun. Mark took it in his stride. It was good. It was very, uh, it was very challenging, but it was a good start. I think it's kind of woken everybody up, and, and everybody's ready for the next stuff. I think. Jamoke was nervous, and I was just like, "Oh gosh, okay, just keep calm, just keep calm." And it was, yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah, I just took it all in. And Sifa got a little surprise. And you made a really nice comment about me being good for BBC Three. And to, you know, to be fair, you know, you're you the sort of voice we'd use for a BBC Three thing. So I was quite happy about that. And the verdict from a couple of the judges. The first round was over at the BBC, and there's a sense of being in a building like that. It's such a great reputation, and I think they all responded very well to that. There was no sense of bowing under pressure or, or nerves at being at their, their first round. These guys have all listened very carefully to what James Stodd had to say at the BBC. They've taken on board his comments, and that's great to hear that they're not just people who've been gifted with a good voice, they're people who can adapt to the situation, take direction, and give the performance that the producer. And now for round two. The commercial read at Global Radio. Okay, let's roll on one whenever you're ready. Okay. I'm Dan Akers. I work at Global Radio. I'm a writer and producer. We knew that the voices were all going to be between 18 and 30, so fairly young. So we got them a script where we got them to act older. In fact, not only one role, but they had three roles. They had to be uh, a mother-stroke father of a young daughter, uh, speak very emotively and uh, with lots and lots of love in the voice. Uh, The second voice that they had to do was the announcer in a classic FM style, which is normally the preserve of your uh, sort of 35 upwards, uh, very rich, textured-sounding voiceover, uh, and finally got them to, uh, to do the caveat read at 900 miles an hour. So it was fairly taxing on all three counts. 
I'm Joe McCrossy and I'm head of creative at Global Radio. I'm really interested to see um, how people use their voice as an instrument, really, um, because they've probably got no experience. And so there's one thing. So there's a quality of voice and the sound of the voice has to be good, has to be something that stands out on air, something that will really, you know, catch the listener's attention. But then also the way that they command their voice as an instrument is 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 important. I mean, that's they have to be able to take direction. They have to know how to use their voice. Now, you seem to have this meticulously planned this round. They're not allowed to see the scripts beforehand. <laughs> They're all sitting outside. And uh, uh, was there a reason to kind of to, to design it that way? Yeah, we wanted to give everyone exactly the same opportunity. So um, a voiceover would never see the script really until they came into the session. So we wanted to make sure that some of them didn't have. Um, you know the, the the advantage of having an hour to read through the script quite often as well people will misinterpret it if they're not there with the writer to talk them through it so we wanted to give everyone exactly the same chance everybody sees it everybody has a chance to read through it to warm up and to bring their own interpretation to it and deliver it how they see so yeah not an easy round three different types of read including the very important so caveat but Jamo K steps up first Okay, what we're going to do is we're going to do it in sections. All oh, right. Okay. Because there's a there's a different there's a kind for, of first for me commercials are a bit like oh, okay this is this is the one that I have like this is what I think I'm really good at and I went in there and I read the script and I was just like oh god and then after doing one take I was like oh my gosh like this is harder than I thought a lot harder so I mean I got into it at the end but yeah in the, at the beginning it was a bit like eh. I was just kind of reading it because of the nerves and everything. Works for me. Yeah, yeah. Perfect. Well done. Thank you. Then Mark? That was so much better. Didn't mm. it feel better? Yes, it did. You did brag a little bit. <laughs> My <laughs> father, that's how I'm seeing yeah. Very proud father. I got a bit nervous this time. This time when I was there and I did a, a, a couple of cold reads and I got some direction and I clearly wasn't getting it what they, they were saying. This is the direction and I didn't get it. And that's when I got a little bit of the nerves and I, I had to take a moment and be like, right, okay. And then I got it right and I got some good feedback and I was like, right, okay, now I, I can get back on track and I can settle back into my quite confident manner. But yeah, there was it was starting to get to me at that, that point, so... Yeah, I think that was much, much nicer. Mm. Yeah. Let's see first. So, age it, so... Take it a bit more to classic. Yeah. A bit more classic FM. I thought it was really good, actually. I thought... I liked the fact that I could kind of have a personality in this one. I felt like being... I had to really get into the whole, I'm someone's mum. I pictured my niece, not a mum, so I had to picture my niece doing things that she does. I thought, yeah... So I thought it was really good. I, I got the chance to get into character, which I like. And it was a lot closer to, like, presenting and stuff like that. So I've quite enjoyed it. Um, one thing, you know, you've, just, you've done well. And finally, Scott. OK, do you want to do it one more time, please? Well, am I able to do just that one line, or do, or do you need all the rest of it? What do you think, Dan? Oh, just for the hell of it, let's take the whole thing. So it, it was actually really interesting and and the, the time was ticking down so I, I, I thought I haven't actually got time to be scared of this I've got time to listen to what's being told of me and, and to try and do it the best I can and um, I, I think it, I, I think it came out I think it came out alright Authorised and regulated by the Financial Services Authority protection dependent on level of cover subject to acceptance conditions apply <laughs> <laughs> Oh that was it I thought of you doing your tongue twisters this morning and I suspect that will have helped you at that moment. 
Well, you do have to get them those muscles moving, and fortunately, no one can see what a frog mouth I'm doing there to get get my mouth around those words. But um, it, as long as it comes out right, then I don't care how silly I look. Nice and snappy, but still soft on the. So we've done the round now. How do you think that they did? I was actually really impressed. I was very surprised. Uh, all four of them rose to the challenge uh, without any fuss. Uh, yeah, some did better than others. Um, I've always found that you very rarely get an actor who's both a good actor and a good announcer at the same time. So I wasn't expecting them to do brilliantly in both the character and the announcer role. Uh, but I was pleasantly surprised by one of them in particular who I thought carried off both character and announcer impeccably and were also very, very good at taking direction and also making the script their own. So, two rounds down, one more to go. Here's Scott. Yeah, we are at Real World Studios and we are about to do... Um, uh, what, what do you call them? The imaging. Imaging. Yeah, uh, they call it. Yeah, uh, is it not creepers or sweepers? Sweepers. Yes, we're about to do a sweeper. <laughs> Put Scott on the spot a bit there. This industry can be very complicated. The door is open. In the next Earshot Creators Review podcast, I'll be reporting on how the finalists got on in round three, the imaging round. The guys will be voicing the imaging for the National Student Radio Chart Show with Andy Jackson at Real World Studios. The commercials or the adverts that you've done before, this is a lot, a lot hotter. And then it will be up to the judges. And we'll be taking into account the way that the artists have been performing in the studio, the way they took direction to get to where they are, their studio demeanour. All these things all these things are really important to a producer when you book a, a voice. Not that you know that you can just entrust your work to, to them as a, as a voice artist, but also that they're going to be good to work with. Find out how Sifa, Mark, Jamoke and Scott get on next time. Who will be the winner of the Hobson's Voice Search 2012? The search for new voiceover talent. And yes, here's a little something I put together so you can hear the results of the commercial read from round two. My daughter. She wants to be a ballerina. She pretends in front of the mirror, wobbling on her tiptoes, arms raised, back straight. <laughs> I want her to be whatever she chooses. And that's why we're covered. So that nothing can ever stop her. That's you, Rick. These are our protection experts. The fathers of ballerinas, the mothers of astronauts, all the customers who have their family covered. Keep your future protected with Zurich. Find the right cover with Zurich Helppoint at zurich.co.uk. Authorised and regulated by Financial Services Authority. Protection dependent on level of cover. Subject to acceptance, conditions apply. Oh, I don't know about you, I'm getting rather excited about this whole competition now. Uh, thank you, Kate. Kate Cocker back in November with the next report as we find out how Jay and Sifa and Mark and Scott do at Real World. The InShot Creative Review, sponsored by Hobson's. I'm Steve Martin and we're at the Gillard Awards in Gateshead and I can tell you now that the announcement has been made in the category Best Station Promotion Campaign. The bronze went to BBC Radio Leeds, the silver went to BBC Radio Solent for that Titanic campaign you heard earlier with Richard Latto and the gold went to BBC Radio Oxford for Chris Wood's campaign for the Cornbury Festival and immediately after the ceremony and I think you can tell immediately after a few glasses of wine as well I caught a few words with Chris Wood to congratulate him. Hooray! Thanks very much, Steve. Thanks very much. Uh, Chris, you have just won the top prize for Best Promotions and Marketing Campaign. 
I have. It's in my pocket. It's weighing my seat down. There he is. Let's have a look at the uh, trophy you've won here. There you go. A little head. I think it's going to sit on the stereo that I use on my desk at work. (laughs) That'll be it. And people, maybe they'll sit downstairs for a bit and people can look at it um, because we haven't won anything for a while. (laughs) But you've won this. How do you feel about that? Uh, yeah, you know, the last time I won anything, I think, was £5 and a packet of crisps. So, uh, you know, it's quite nice to win an actual thing. And you know, everyone's very... Uh, I didn't realise the, the, the passion that people had for, you know, everyone who came and did a speech. Uh, they, they knew what they were talking about. They were all like, oh, I'm so happy to win this. Um, and also, it's a very journalism-based award, and this is the only real category that isn't for journalism as such. Um, so it... You know, I feel a little bit like an outsider at the same time as being inclusive. Uh, it's a bit strange, but yeah, it's good. Yes, many congratulations to Chris and his team from BBC Radio Oxford. Thoroughly well done, thoroughly well deserved. And there's some other bits and pieces from that campaign now at earshotcreative.com. Have a listen to those and see what the fuss is all about. I'm back in November with another edition of the Earshot Creative Review, where, amongst other things, our four shortlisted finalists in the Hobson's Voice Search 2012 will be back in the studio. Uh, Next time, they're voicing imaging, which will end up on student radio. I'll see you then. Bye. Bye.